Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. So excited to welcome my close friend, Maggie Sellers, to the pod. Maggie is an angel investor, media entrepreneur and creator, TikTok queen, founder of Hot Smart Rich, because yes, you can be all three, and has empowered so many women on their career journeys by getting real about what it takes to thrive in a man's world. But Maggie is so much more than all these credentials, and I can't wait for you to hear why I feel so lucky to have Maggie in my life. So thank you so much for being here, Maggie. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited. So as you know from listening, thanks for listening, by the way. The first question we ask every guest is, what is your definition of fulfillment and what is your definition of success? And are they at all intertwined? I think, yes, to answer the third question first, they are definitely intertwined. I think to have success just from a monetary perspective would truly serve no joy to me long-term. I think the goalpost is always moving. And so for me, success is actually what fulfillment is. It's a mission. It's a purpose. It's a why. And I think when you follow your why, your money will come. Success on paper to most people is things monetary-wise, what house you live in, what car you drive, who you're even friends with nowadays, where you vacation. I think those things if you really base that off of what you're fulfilled by or what success looks like, they can go away tomorrow. That is not forever, but making an impact on the world, even if that goes away and, you know, the economy is changing, business is evolving and your company can't keep up. It doesn't take away from the success and the fulfillment that you had in that period of time. Nobody can take that away from you, but your car could be gone tomorrow. And like, really, what does that do for you? So yeah, I think they're definitely intertwined. That's a beautiful definition of it. Yeah, definitely. So you started a company called Hot Smart Rich. And I think a lot of people, let's start with that. Like, well, we'll look at the name and be like, mm, like, why is it called like that? And we can talk about how you were bullied on Twitter about this name as well. But I think knowing you, it comes from a really beautiful place of being called pretty all the time and growing up and 
a lot of people thought you couldn't be anything more than that. So I would love to hear like context as to why you called it that way. And then how you morphed from being labeled as pretty to only thinking you can be pretty and modeling and all that to creating this amazing empire for you and to empower so many other women who may feel labeled as one of those things and doesn't think they can have all three. Yeah. So I think it does stem back from childhood for sure. I remember my uncle telling my dad when I turned 14, like, oh, she should start modeling. And so I started doing that and I you know, fast forward a little bit, being in the industry did develop like a pretty severe eating disorder. Um, and going through high school simultaneously kind of pivoting my life experiences, you're very quickly positioned in one way. And I was very quickly positioned by teachers, by my classmates as being like pretty and fun and like cool, but nobody would take me seriously at school. Even though I was an honor student, I was getting amazing grades. I ended up being a prefect in my grade 12 year, captain of my volleyball team. And it was really from those years that I felt this sense of push and pull of like, if I lean into being more on the pretty side or the modeling side or expressing myself in media entertainment, that is going to take away from everything that your brain can do and the way that you approach how you're going to solve problems. And, you know, down to like when you get your first job and, you know, I was definitely put into these boxes where my first manager is saying things like, you can't speak the way that you do because you're never going to get promoted. People will never take you seriously. You sound way more stupid than you actually are. So it's something that I honestly did battle with my whole life. And then I think as I started just throwing myself into work and rising up and getting promoted and, you know, getting these accolades, you could say, or just like different career progressions, I felt even more of a sense to like push away from the pretty side or what would I would say now is expressing your femininity, expressing your sexuality, being a woman, wanting to take beautiful photos, wanting to wear a beautiful dress that might not be super like conservative. And so I think I felt that and I, and I feel sad for myself sometimes thinking back to my mid twenties when I was really rising up in my career and going on panels and getting promoted and starting to invest and advise. And I look back at my social media and I'm like, I never posted photos. I hid myself from being like expressing any sort of femininity, being vulnerable. You know, back even then, like nobody was talking about money. It was seen as a, oh, wow, she's super full of herself if she's like expressing anything around success. And I got to this point where I think I just, in my personal life, honestly got to a breaking point. It was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't pretend to be somebody that I'm not. I have to be myself. That is my superpower. Like my ability to relate to people, to be aspirational yet relatable, to show them the way that I've been able to figure out through countless amounts of failures is what is going to make change. And so I just got fed up and I just got tired of being lumped in a box and either being hit on because people didn't take me seriously or being told like, oh, well, you can't post that if you want to be doing this in your career. And so I just decided to call it out and be like, I don't even, I wouldn't even say I'm like the hottest, smartest or richest person, but it's about expressing and claiming the energy and creating a conversation around women, honestly going after being hot, smart and rich, kind of in the way you asked me, like what is success and fulfillment? What does hot, smart, rich mean to you? Go be that. And here's my playbook. 
But the vision is to create other playbooks of other people that have done it and really create a safe space for anybody, but mostly women to feel like they're not confined by what society has told them to be. This is so beautiful. I think though a lot of the experiences that you had growing up or being told like you can't be all three, you're just pretty face, you shouldn't speak like that. That could have led you down another rabbit hole. That could have led you down a rabbit hole of like being really shy and like not speaking out. And you're like now a big, you know, influencer, content queen, all of the things. Like, how did you use your insecurities as like confidence almost? Like, how did you take all of the things that people would label you as and bully you as is now like your biggest strength and confidence? It's so funny because I was actually thinking about this on the way over. We're all like a product of our childhood trauma, right? In our experiences. And Growing up, always offline, that was my personality. Very extroverted, very vivacious, very like I walk in a room and I want to create a vibe and I want people to feel something. And my biggest compliment you could ever tell me is like, when you leave me, you text me saying, I feel so good after I saw you. I feel so happy. I feel excited. That to me is the best compliment you could ever give me. And that has nothing to do with being hot, smart or rich, right? Um, I think offline, I've always stayed very true to myself. And I can remember distinctly, like growing up, I was the ugly duckling of my, not what I looked like, but I'll tell you the story. My grandparents had six grandkids. And when I graduated from college, they sent me a card in the mail. And it was this black duckling that was struggling to get over the wall. And it's yellow ducklings that actually had gotten over the wall. And in the card read, like, we're so happy that you were able to to do this as if like there was a chance I wasn't going to be able to graduate college. And in those like one-on-one experiences, I used humor and just like a prove you wrong mentality. I have such a chip on my shoulder. And that always fueled me as like, I'm going to show you what I can do. Just watch. But online, putting myself out there at scale, I would say I only really became comfortable when I started posting on TikTok. I look back, I honestly feel sorry for myself. Like I I wish any girl listening to this that's in her teens, in her 20s or anybody, girl or boy, hiding yourself from the world is going to hold you back so much. And I look at what I was like offline, same Maggie, like same person. The online version, I would argue, is exactly who you see in person. It's only now that I feel confident to even show that, which is just sad. Yeah. Well, it takes a level of vulnerability, as you said, to put yourself out there. And that's, I mean, it's interesting because it sounds like you struggled to claim your successes out loud, but a lot of people see social media as like the highlight reel, right? You only see the good, you don't see the bad, but I think it's more about just seeing everything. Exactly. And I think that's, what's so funny about my situation right now is like going through these big life moments it would be so easy to not post about things, right? And to be like, my channel is for mostly business and like, you know, health and wellness, whatever. But that, to be honest, would not be living an authentic life to me. And it's not to be clickbaity or to, you know, kind of like exploit situations. It is to showcase an authentic, holistic self. If you're going to put a half of your life online, I think you have to be prepared to like put the other half on or at least not be afraid of like approaching the subject in a respectful way. But it is challenging when you are dealing with things that are not a highlight. They're not fun. They're embarrassing. They're scary. They're unknown. 
And you do feel this obligation now to be like, well, I should talk about this too. So it's not just a highlight reel. Yeah. It's also about authenticity. For sure. So it's like whatever is happening and you don't, yeah, it's such an interesting topic. And I think social media has also grown with us, right? Like we, TikTok, I think has really opened up the space for like low budget, less curated, which is amazing, right? There is like something really beautiful about that. Like there's, to me, the epitome of Instagram is millennials posing, myself included. (laughs) Gen Z would be so cringed out looking at us, like posing, trying to get the perfect picture and whatnot. And then TikTok is like, sweatpants, you know, turn the camera around at yourself and just start chatting. And I think that is also inviting vulnerability because everyone's doing it, right? Yeah. I think it's also, it goes like, for me, it's about the audience, right? So Instagram was like everybody I I had accumulated throughout my life that saw me one way in one bucket. It was like, you knew me during my days working at a startup. How could I ever go on camera and post with my hormonal acne and like wearing eye patches and like wearing my hair in whatever way? I just felt this like embarrassment to show that full side with TikTok, it was like, I knew at the beginning, nobody that I really knew was following me. I like didn't even put my phone number into how you register because I didn't want it to be like, pull up your contacts. And then only when I started gaining traction and started gaining followers and I realized like, holy shit, my message is resonating. Like my mission of creating this movement is resonating. I, again, feel sad I didn't do this on Instagram. It was just, I was so afraid of being judged And it only took this recognition externally, which is again, like huge vulnerability for me to even say, would I be as honest as I am if I still only had 500 followers two years later, a year and a half later? I don't know, maybe. But now that it is obviously something that I feel this like deep, deep, deep connection with these women, mostly that follow me, like I honestly feel like they're my friends. I am so vulnerable and I will share anything. And I just don't know if I would still do that on a place like Instagram where it's like, you're put in that bucket and you can't break out because everyone's going to be like, oh my God, did you see this video of that girl? She's trying to be an influencer. How cringe. Oh, I know that is, I, I totally get we that. We like to embrace our cringe over it's here. Real. Oh yeah. yeah That's that one of my series on much. TikTok. Yes. I like always will put a green screen and show like big rejections or like I was trying to reach out to this company and this like amazing female private equity investor and had emailed her like five times, LinkedIn, whatever. Just put it all up there. It's so cringe to see, but you have to. But don't you find like when you share content that is quote unquote cringe or like not the highlight reel, more people actually engage with that content and it becomes more successful because it's relatable? I think yes, but I think for me, and this is what keeps me sharing the good and the bad is that when I have a win, what I was always, I'm like obviously wearing an evil eye right now. I think growing up, I grew up in a family that was like, don't show off labels, don't show success, like put your head down, do really good work. Like you don't need to be like, you know, posing everything and posting. And so I kind of grew up with that mentality where it felt like evil or wrong to celebrate success. And I look back at like everything I've done in my career and I don't even know if you would know half of the stuff because I never posted about it. I wasn't given PR. Like it was just something that was, if you knew, you knew, which is actually still in my Instagram bio. If you know, you know. Now, I think because I post about stuff as I'm working towards a goal and I bring people along for the journey, I don't try to be an expert at everything. When I do find that success, 
people are excited to share in it. It feels like something we've done together because they know that it's something I've worked for and it didn't just come overnight. So I think, again, it goes back to like, how are you being vulnerable throughout, not just at the beginning and the end? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And it also keeps you accountable. Like, you know, a lot of people say they're going to like do something and then they don't actually do it. But once you start bringing your followers along, like you end up by doing it, right? Sure. So now you're going through a big transition in your life. I'll allow you to elaborate on that (laughs) as as much as you want. How do you share that? Like, are you, as you said, you want to be authentic on your platforms or are you sharing that as well? Yes. So this has been an interesting situation for me. And I would say like, I'm handling it the best that I can, but there's a lot of factors that I'm having to consider. But just to call it out, I just called off my engagement four months ago and was with my ex-significant other partner, fiance, for two years. We lived together and it was very hard. It still is very hard. It is 1000% the right thing. I have zero regrets. It has helped me evolve as a human in such a different way. Even the way I'm communicating about it is so different than young Maggie. I had to move out. All my stuff is literally still in storage until next week when I get my official place back. I literally moved out of the city, moved near my horse barn, like wanted to reconnect with who I was as a person. I have had weekends of pure, like total loneliness and isolation, feeling like, what the fuck just happened? How am I 31 years old? I did not picture my life like this. I thought 31 was old when I was like 25. And now I'm single. Recently, you know, I am trying to protect my peace and dealing with a situation that I honestly didn't know how I was going to explain when it was going down. And that is something that I didn't feel was appropriate to bring people in on the journey with until I knew like, how it was going to level out both for me and for my ex. There was two people involved in that situation. And I didn't feel it was my story to share until he had really also gotten his life together a bit. And it wasn't in the heat of the moment. He has every right to heal. He has every right to deal with it. And I didn't want there to be any sort of external influence for him to be able to move on in his way as well. But it is a part of my story. It's my life. And I do feel it is my right to be able to talk about it in a way that is very respectful and feels like there is a sharing of information that women can relate to because marriages end, engagements break up, people are single in their 30s and they feel like their life is over. I feel like my life is honestly beginning again in the most like beautiful way. And until I am like in the best shape of my life, I'm the best friend. I am the best daughter, sister. My business is fucking crushing it. I am going to try my best to remain really excited to be single because why would I want to take on another thing when I have all of these balls still to balance? So unless that is good and it's something I can take on, I'm looking at this as like the best blessing that I could have. You're saying it with so much abundance. And I think so many people could look at the situation and be like, oh, my life sucks. It was not supposed to be this way. And what I love too, is that you have leaned into flow since the end of this, right? And you've come back to like your inner child and the things that fulfilled you when you were a kid. You like moved to Calabasas and you're like riding horses, (laughs) you're journaling, you're waking up at 5 a.m., you're reading for an hour with no phone. Jasmine, you'll love this. Like her morning routine is is epic. Right now, the Elon Musk, uh, Walter Eisman, I think his last name is, his biography. And then Ali Webb's book just came out. So it it gets delivered today. Wow. Yeah, she's 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 cool. 
So Maggie is doing so much stuff right now to like propel her growth to like the nth degree and all the things that you're coming back to like your authenticity in a way too. Fully. And here's the thing for all the single people listening to this. Here's my problem. I wasn't being authentically myself 100% and I'm going to give myself grace. Like it was COVID when I met my former partner. I wasn't doing my hobbies. I wasn't fulfilling my life and what burned my soul. How was I supposed to meet the right person when I wasn't being authentically myself? This is the life that I want to curate regardless of who is my partner in that. I need to make sure that it is, I am very clear of what my life looks like. You know, when I first moved to Calabasas, I was horseback riding like four days a week. That's really not sustainable for my lifestyle. Now it's like, you know, one or two days a week. So this is now a pattern that is like, you know, what is going to be my life moving forward? And if I want to date somebody high quality, I want to marry a high quality partner that also has a, the things that I value that are a fit for me. Well, I have to level up in my life. I have to be absorbed in making myself the best version of myself so that the places that I'm going, the adventures that I'm doing, the activities that I'm surrounding myself with are with the fit of the person I actually want to end up with. And I think my problem in the past truly was, I think I was like 28 when we met 29, you know, your friends are first getting married. That's like the time that it's happening. Some of them are having kids and I'm looking around being like, I guess this is what I should do. Like, this is going to be weird if I'm not. And so I hate to say the word I was settling. I was not asking myself, do I like our relationship? our shared experiences, our conversations as much as I should? Or is this just something that feels really easy and fun and it's okay to date when it's easy and fun and it's like exciting, but I don't think that I was being honest with myself about if it was something that I enjoyed long-term. And that's something that I'm being very, very, very cognizant of now because I'm being authentically myself. Because you've subscribed to society's norms. You were like, exactly. it's time for me to get married. People are having kids around me. People are getting married. And so. they're asking you, like, who are you dating? Are you guys going to get engaged? Like, you know what I am so cognizant of now? I used to be that fucking person and I hate myself. I don't hate myself. I, I get mad at myself for this. I would say, you know, you just got engaged. When are you guys going to have a baby? Then, you know, you have your first baby. When are you going to have your second baby? You just start dating somebody you've been dating for eight months. When do you think you're going to get engaged? I never ask questions like that anymore. It is none of my business. And when I hear other people around asking questions, I cringe like that. Cause I'm just like, we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. What if they can't have a second kid? What if she really wants to get engaged and he doesn't? I'm just making it worse for them. And it was kind of like everybody when I was engaged and everyone's like, when's the wedding? How's wedding planning going? And at one hand, I liked it. Cause I was like, people care. But then on the other hand, I was like, I don't know how to say like, we're having so many problems and I can't plan this wedding. So I'm very cognizant now to not ask those questions if people don't lead with it or to just say something as simple as like, how's wedding planning going? And if I get a response back that I'm like, cool, got it. Like you tell me when you're ready to talk. Yeah. Yeah. I think I relate. I was not engaged, but I did break up with my boyfriend of four years at 30 and I was, it was a really tough decision. Breaking up's fucking hard. No matter what side no you're on. No matter what side you're on, it's really hard. It's really hard to know if you're making the right decision. And I remember making that decision. And on paper, you know, like I had a lovely man who I'm still friends with, who was handsome and had his own business and loved me and was loyal to me and was good to me. And many, many, many people would be like, if you find a good guy, you know, hold on to him. Yeah. Right. That's like 
a thing in our culture, in our society. And I do see the trends in society as to why people think that. But I remember holding on for dear life and then finally letting go and being like, it's like the most high vibrational thing you can do. Because the minute Mm -hmm. you let go, you're like, wait, I am moving toward my authentic self. I'm living in alignment. And it's such a, like, you should congratulate yourself. And quite frankly, I don't actually think, you know, I would even pose this to you. Like it makes you who you are today. Totally. Like it shapes you into who you are. And it's like, it's exactly what was meant to happen to get you where you are today in this seat with this perspective, doing the things that you're doing to reconnect with yourself. And I think especially like what we can all call out is like women in your twenties, it's such a taboo. I mean, I definitely had the same pressures, right? Like if I could, I would be at two weddings a week and I was turning yeah. down weddings. Everyone was getting married. I felt so lame if I was single, if I was this or I was that. And now it's funny, like being in my thirties, I have a partner now, but the idea of being single doesn't scare me as much because I think ultimately I want to start a family. But I think the idea of like, cause you free yourself from these, you're like, why do I have to live by these make-believe rules? Like, why do I have to be somewhere at a certain time. Like I need to get to where I'm going and just be joyful. And I, we actually had Laura Wasser, like a very famous divorce attorney on our podcast last week. And like, she has such an interesting viewpoint given what she's seen. And it's so true. It's like, there's no destination. Being engaged is not the destination, especially not if it's with someone that you're not totally in alignment with. Totally. And it's so freeing. It is a very freeing thing. And I think to your point, like, it all happened for a reason. And it's so hard because it is a part of my story. And I think this goes back to 20-year-old Maggie that didn't share in her successes at her job because it was like, don't talk about that. You know, there's two people involved. There's whatever, whatever fucking bullshit that you're dealing with. It is a part of my story. And I do not want to run away from that or hide it or feel like I can't believe I'm talking about this. No, there's a way to do it respectfully. There's a way to have these conversations. But I think to that point, like there are so many women that are, I will tell you, like when I did this, the amount of women that I'm friendly with, friends with, whatever, that asked me to go for coffee, go for walks, have a drink. And how did you know? Okay. Like, I'm not sure about my situation, but like, I just like, don't know how you did that. Like, what was it like breaking up? And it makes me be like, that's my obligation now to talk about this because we don't have to settle. And I feel this to be true. You know, you go through that stage, you first break up, you're on a cloud nine, your friends are all around you. You're like going out, you're meeting people. It's fun then normal life kicks in and you're like, okay, like this past weekend, I literally saw one friend for an hour and I was alone the entire time. I could have thought of that about like really depressing and like, okay, this is not what I pictured. But I actually, again, took that time to be like, I am going to like dig into my hobbies and like started writing a freaking movie and like started working on my business again and started doing all these things that I had been putting off, getting ahead for Black Friday, all these things. And I think women... I would rather be alone and be doing those things, self-development, self-love, than be with somebody where I feel like I'm forcing it because they're a great person, because they're amazing, because we have a beautiful house and we have this potential. We fall in love with the potential of what it could be. And after a year of it not living up to the potential, how long are you going to stay in it? And for me, maybe that makes me cold, masculine, all the things that people would say about me. But 
to me, it makes me me and it makes me be authentic. And I think that's why I am so in flow. I am so leaning into my femininity. And it's hilarious because I'm 31. I have been masculine in my energy my entire life. Sports, work, like I'm a shark. I win. Like that is what I do. And now I am in total femininity. I still swear. I still like have that work ethic, that competition, but I embrace what is meant for me. I lean into the universe. Like nothing that is meant for me is going to go away. And I'm just ready for whatever. And I take things like, you know, even when things don't go my way with like, wasn't meant for me. That's okay. Next one. And it's just so interesting how it's like during such a kind of weird time in my life that that's the energy that it's like making me feel like I can do this. Well, because you just proved to yourself that you can trust yourself yes. and you can trust the universe. Like the minute you make a huge life decision like that, you're like, wow, I can do it. Like I survived. I'm out the other side. Like I do think that that's like the trickle down effect. What do you do to cultivate femininity and like connecting to the universe? Like, is there something you're doing aside from, I know you meditate, journal. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things is listening more. I've always been this person to be like, I have to say what, blah, blah, blah. And now I don't feel the need, maybe because I have my own platform now. I don't feel the need in conversations to be the one with the last word or to fill the silence or to do these things that really were making other people feel comfortable, but actually were making me feel really uncomfortable. I think also it's just this idea that like, I look at what I've done and how many things I've overcome already. And I'm like, okay, it could get worse. It for sure could get worse. I've thank God never had to deal with, you know, losing a parent or something like that extreme, but I've done a lot and I've overcome a lot. I can do this. And your mindset is your number one thing. I think about getting my visa to work in the States, my entrepreneurial visa. There was not one doubt in my mind I was going to do it. Not one doubt. I just, no no matter what it was, I'm getting it. And you know, it's one of the hardest things you will ever go through. People don't understand that, especially the E2, the entrepreneur visa took me a year and a half. There was not one moment of doubt and I got it. And it was like kind of easier at the end. And I think when you bring doubt in, that's when your my at least masculine energy would take over. I have to problem solve. I have to challenge. I have to, you know, fight and rip and tear and find the solution where now I'm very much like, there's no doubt it's going to happen. I have no doubt I'm going to find my husband. I have no doubt I'm going to have children. I have no doubt my business is going to sell for millions of dollars one day. Just let it happen like be calm and like absorb what's happening. And this is all a part of the story. So it's more of the mindset to be in feminine, I think, than it is to be like tactically journaling and, and meditating, which is all important. But I think it honestly is the mindset. And that's just surrounding myself with the right people that also believe that. Was this cultivated in you from when you were younger? Because since I met you, you have always been in my life, a force of abundant energy, positivity, just so much like goodness and growth. And like, you just always have this energy of like, I just want to be better for myself. I want to live in my authentic truth. And like, where is this coming from? Because you've been through a lot in your life and I probably know more than you want to share on this podcast, but you come from the things, like all the things that have happened to you, you use them to be better and you don't go into victimhood, which so many of us do, including myself. So how do you always stay in this like positive energy of like, oh, this experience is sucked, but it's going to make me a better person. So there's a few things, but first of all, thank you. That's like 
such a nice compliment. I could cry. There's a few things. I grew up with a very interesting dynamic of like very hard, very intense, loving father and a very almost like hippie like mother. So like two very different energy sources. So I think I was kind of like more towards this like masculine, hard, intense energy of like proving people wrong, but being always like so gracious. I always said growing up, I always wanted to be on the winning team, but I didn't need to be doing it alone. If that made sense. Like I did, I didn't need like other people to fail for me to win. So that's always just been instinctively in me. I think that like for me with where I'm at right now, it's honestly just this idea that like, again, for as a woman, not one of us has to fail for me to succeed. And I've always believed that. I've always believed if I do the right thing and I give and I give and I give, eventually I can like take inventory and stock of that and be like, okay, I've helped a lot of people and now I need help. And I think asking for help has always been something very hard for me. Now it's like, no, like that's, that's normal. People, relationships are two-sided. I disclose, you disclose, et cetera. I have a huge fucking chip on my shoulder. I, again, like from these labels, from being told what I could and could not do, I have so much to prove. And before, again, it came out in this very intense way. And now it's coming out in this very like. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. kind of like leadership way, which I feel it wasn't really being done before. And then I think again, like just going through the things that I've gone through and like, it's crazy. I I look at even my health. Like I had a crazy eating disorder growing up, which I've only really fixed in the last two years. Truly. I have ADHD was diagnosed when I was a kid. I've taken Adderall every single day since I was literally in elementary school. I have celiac disease. I just this past week got diagnosed with PCOS. Like I just have like so many problems. And again, I was kind of like tuning it out and just being like, no, now I'm like leaning into these labels. I'm like, I have anxiety. How am I coping with it? I have ADHD. What are my solutions? I have PCOS. What's the silver lining in this? And it's being super aware of my surroundings. Whereas before it felt like I was putting on a mask, taking it off, then putting on another mask, taking it off. And now it's just, that's who I am. And that's beautiful. And what can I get from the situation? What is like the reason that I'm being tasked with this challenge right now? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like making meaning of it. So it like serves you. Yeah. It serves me. It's not working against me. Yeah. Like that's how I'm thinking about PCOS. It's like, this is serving me. It's not taking away anything. Right. That takes a lot of faith, I would say. 
For sure. Do you feel like that's a big part of your life is like leaning into this faith? So faith in, in like religion way or faith in like the just idea that the universe has my back? Both. Because they're kind of similar, right? They are similar. So I did not grow up religious, was not baptized, had honestly like no interest in religion. Honestly, I kind of felt it was like very outdated. One of my very close friends who I had my first tattoo was his birthday. He passed away when I was in second year of college. And I like remember being a zombie and not feeling anything. And that was the first moment where I was like, something would be nice to believe in right now to know that there's like a purpose of this death. And like, it's not just for no reason because I really struggled. I remember my mom took me to Aruba and I sat on the beach and literally just didn't speak to her for a week and just was like sitting there, like almost a ghost of a human. And over the past few years, you know, I grew up in a very interesting dynamic, like I said, and I have a very loving family, but there was something about food and dinners that were very triggering for my family. So on the one side, from an eating perspective, love you, mom. But she would say things like, you can't leave the table until all your food is done. Really triggering for somebody that's struggling with body dysmorphia. Why do I need to finish my food? Can I put it in the fridge? That led to like a lot of really big issues with my body. And then with my family dynamic, I kind of never knew what I was sitting down to. And I think food was supposed to be this like beautiful thing. And it wasn't for our family. It was kind of this like triggering thing. And so when I moved to LA, I became friends with so many amazing Jewish people, so many people in general, but a lot were Jewish. I had never been exposed to Judaism, like never in my life. And I remember going to my first Shabbat and seeing this family open their home, cook this amazing meal. There was like 25 of us. There were prayers, there was wine, there was bread being broken. There was conversation, laughter, love. And I was like overwhelmed. I went to the bathroom. I think I could start crying right now. And I said like, this is exactly how I want my family to be raised. And I'm sorry. No, this is so beautiful, especially during a time like what's going on in the world. This is like so beautiful to hear speaking as as a Jewish person myself. So, yeah. So I, I remember just being like, this is how I want my family to be raised. This is exactly the values I want my kids to have. And that's the moment that I just got curious. I didn't make a decision. I didn't say like, I'm going to convert to X. I believe in X. I don't believe that. I believe for you to find what you want in this world, you have to get curious. And so I got really curious. I asked so many questions. I started, you know, going to different types of events and like talking to different people about religion, all religions, not just Judaism. And then I decided right before COVID to go through with the conversion of becoming Jewish. And it's a very long process. You can't just like claim that you're Jewish one day. And you have to go through a year of classes. So I started it. COVID happened. I ended up not loving the rabbi that I was working with. So I actually ended up like taking a pause. And I would say like over the last, since I've kind of come back into my authentic self, it's become like a huge calling for me. And I think faith, religion, higher purpose. I've always believed the universe has my back, but I think this like underlying current of these like, feelings and like vibrations has really come back in this very strong way over the last six months. And now it's becoming like a huge, huge part of my life on both sides. 
I mean, it's so beautiful. And I think especially during today's day and what's going on with the world, you are converting to a religion that is facing a ton of anti-Semitism right now. And that would scare a lot of people and people would run from that, but you're actually like running to To it it. and you're being a voice of support and empowerment through your platforms. And I think what's also really interesting and beautiful is that many people convert to a religion, whether it's Judaism or other religions for a partner to satisfy a family's need of like wanting everyone in the family to be Jewish or Muslim or whatever it is, but you're doing it for yourself. And to do it for yourself is a very different emotion. It's a very different like purpose purpose than doing it for someone else to please someone's family. And I think that to me is, is just so beautiful, especially during that time. And like, also I want to shout out to Maggie for a second here too, is that like, you know, during this time of, you know, craziness, she's posted a lot on her platform and she's even taken time out of her day to FaceTime with Israeli soldiers who are having a hard time to consult for people in Israel who don't have time or to think about these type of things, what to do for their business. And you've taken it into your own hands to do this for free. Um, And I also think from just this conversation, your why is a lot about sharing your experiences. So you have PCOS, you have this or whatever, like, okay, like how am I taking this and how am I going to share it with other people so that they can have a better experience with it so that they feel less alone. And I think so much of your essence is like about sharing and your your why. hundred percent. And I think that goes back to like, the values of Judaism. And it's so funny when you said like, I'm running towards it. I get like, so one of the things about me that's really funny is I am so protective over my people. Like I always have been that way. And it comes across in a way where like, I remember when one of my best friends was dating somebody who I didn't think was a good fit. Like I'm that friend that's going to say like, let's have a hard conversation. I honestly don't like your partner. This is what I've like, I've heard about him and it's not great. And I have no regrets about living my life that way. And I think the same thing right now, more so than ever, it's like, I get into protection mode where you know, it doesn't scare me because it feels like the right thing to do. I am pro peace. Like I am pro, like everybody deserves. And that's something I actually hated with the U S is like, you don't have the right to live because of healthcare. Crazy. I believe everybody on this planet has the right to survive and to live like full stop. That's just like, that's just the right that every human should have. And it's horrible what is happening right now. But I think what I'm getting really stuck on is like this idea of how it is spreading. And if you take the time to educate yourself on how the Holocaust started, there is a YouTube like video series about Hitler's rise to fame, building the Nazi party, how many years it took when he first tried to put Jewish people into jails, like four years before he actually was able to start the Holocaust. This is happening right now. Like, I I don't think people understand the similarities and history repeats itself. So I feel actually a really big obligation to educate, to send books to people, to talk and to really show people what is happening. And to your point, it makes me want to run towards it because like I am such a fighter. I'm delusional. I really believe I have the opportunity to change the world. I honestly think that's so fucking crazy to say out loud. I've never said that in public, but I think I want to change venture capital. I think I can change venture capital and women. And I think I can help create a new dialogue and maybe it's never going to happen, but in my head, that's the why. And it's so much bigger than being famous or having money or 
whatever. And it's something that I've even learned from Elon's book is that he literally became a multi-hundred millionaire selling PayPal. He basically almost became bankrupt trying to build Tesla and build SpaceX because he, it wasn't about the money. And all of his advisors were telling him like, don't invest in those companies, like save your money. No, this is stupid. You're never going to be able to go to Mars. And he was like, I don't care if I go bankrupt. If I don't develop rockets to get us to Mars, we are going to be a one planet species. We are going to kill ourselves and we are going to destroy the human race. And it was mission. And I think the same thing, not to the same extreme, but that is why I'm doing what I'm doing, which is like to make sure the Holocaust never happens again. I think it is the most beautiful religion. And so that women stop fucking trying to please everybody else and lose themselves in the process. It was so what I love so much about you is that you approach everything instead of a lot of people nowadays, they try to like jump on a bandwagon. Like this is a topic that's like really like in conversation, really trendy to talk about. This is content that is going viral on TikTok. Like, let me just jump on it. You take time to educate yourself, read the books, become familiar with the topics and you lean into everything with so much curiosity. And you look at things and you're like, hmm, I'm curious as to why this happened. Let me go watch a documentary on Hitler's rise to power. I'm curious about this. Like, let me go look into this, right? A lot of people do not come from a place of curiosity. Mm -mm. Where has this come from? That I would say I actually like would say is so innate in who I am. Like if you even like ask my mom what I was like as a kid, it was honestly, like just, I was really fucking bored. And this is why I think ADHD is such a blessing to me because I learn very quickly and I am like so ready for the next thing. And it's posed challenges. Like, you know how they say usually like the thing that's going to make you incredibly great is your Achilles heel. And if it gets like in the wrong way, you can be dead forever. So I think like with something like curiosity, it, it is one of the things that's made me super successful. It's also the thing that will make me very distracted. So I can't do everything. One of my things is like, I am that visionary. I'm trying to do a million things, which is why I ended up bringing my sister in as my co-founder because she is so the opposite of me. And I can become so curious that it's like, whoa, distraction. Like you can't do that right now. Like stop trying to go over there when we haven't solved A, B, and C. So I think curiosity is something innately in me. I fucking love meeting people. Like I was thinking about it today. I haven't been on my email today. I just put it on silent. And I was like, this is the best day. I get to go and have a conversation. I get to meet a new friend. I get to catch up with my friend. I'm going to go later to go and have another meeting in person. Like this is amazing. I get to meet people and like find out stuff about them. And it comes from the most genuine place of not wanting to like fake force be somebody I'm not. And I think that's why, like, even in my last newsletter for Hot Smart Rich, it was about write down, I put out journal prompts. Like, what did you enjoy doing when you were a kid? It doesn't have to be the same thing that I enjoy doing because you'll probably find success doing what you innately enjoyed as a kid if you're being authentic to yourself. And if you try to do what I'm, what I enjoy doing, don't be curious if you're not curious, be an expert. I'm not an expert at anything. I am just the generalist that is so, and it was able to figure it out and learn very quickly and do X, Y, and Z. So I think it's like, that's innate. And as soon as people tap into what is innately what they did as a kid, not like the horseback riding and the reading books. I was obsessed with books when I was a kid. What were your parents pulling you away from doing? My parents told me that whenever I was a kid, I was acting as if I was interviewing people. So I love just meeting people and parents would say, your daughter is interviewing me. Like she's asking me so many questions. She needs to stop. 
And I was just like going behind the cash register at CVS or at Shoppers Drug Mart being like, oh, how much is that? And my mom would be like, Maggie, you cannot go behind the cash register. And I would wear whatever I wanted to school and parents would come up to me and be like, oh, can I fix this bow on your hair? And I'd be like, no, I like it. Please don't touch me. And so I think that is just like who I authentically am. And again, it's not going to be for everybody. And sure as hell, there's a lot of haters that I have, a lot of people that don't like me, but at least I'm being authentically myself. And I've been able to find my people through that experience. Wait, I actually don't think it's that people don't like you. It's just, (laughs) I think that people have a hard time with other people being in their authentic truth. Yeah, I agree. They're just like uncomfortable when someone is so in their truth. Fully. And I think like, it's so hard because as a people pleaser, I have spent countless hours. Like I put out this thing the other week and it was like the anti hot, smart, rich girl guide of traits. And one of them is like, in my twenties, I used to, if my friend would take two days to respond to me, they're mad at me. I did something. I fucked up. I have up. the same thing. What is that? So I gave this up. This is like, you are trying to like, you're, you're just doubting yourself. You're mm-hmm. so concerned that you've done something. You're automatically placing blame on yourself, which is like nothing usually ever happened. Mm-hmm. And if it's a real it's friend- It's never about you. It's never about you. Hey, I'm so busy, blah, 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 blah. Oh my God, why the fuck was I just, I think I thought this about you. Like I had to literally, a few days ago, I texted you <laughs> and then you didn't respond to me. And I was like, I did something. Annabelle hates me. I have the same thing. But immediately now I know to be like, whoa, snap out of that. No, I'm definitely getting better with age, but it is, it's such an interesting, I think it definitely relates to, I'm sure, like how we were raised. Yeah. Like what people think. Cause I think there's, okay. So I think if we were to like wrap this conversation in a bow, I would not that we have to, but I like the way I'm thinking about it is like, there's this magic in seeing yourself for who you really are. Right. And if you know yourself, like my dad is really, really good at this. If you know yourself and you're like, I know who I am. I'm a good person. I'm X, Y, and Z, whatever it is. You're not sitting there being like, does this person like me? Or is that person mad at me? Because you're like, there is nothing I did that should cause that. And if it did, it was not intentional. So I'm not going to be mad at myself about it. Right. I'm going to apologize and move on. Exactly. And I think this like whole thing about, I mean, I had this download like a few months ago and now that we're kind of like coming to the end of the year, I've been reflecting on it. It's like, I had this download where I was like, when you don't see yourself, you are not only doing the world a disservice, you're doing yourself a disservice. It's so easy to see your friend for who they really are, like their magic, what they have to offer. And you're like, you know, when you, when you see them playing small, you're almost like, what? Like, you're so much better than that. You can do so much better than that whether it's a partner they're dating or a, you know, what they're not doing or doing with their career, whatever it is. And I think there's this magic that you're really seeming to express in your life of seeing yourself for who you really are and being comfortable in that. And that it's okay if other people don't like it. It's true to who you are because also what people don't like, you'd rather people not like you for who you really are because that also means they like you for who you really are. I think that's like the perfect way to summarize that is that I don't care if you don't like me as long as I'm being authentically myself. What would kill me is like, you don't like me, you don't even know me. Like, and I think that's something that I, and listen, we're all human. Like we all make mistakes. And like, I fucked up super hard the other week with a friend of mine and the old Maggie would have defended, like danced around it, whatever. And I, she texted me and confronting me about something. And I said, you are so right. That was super selfish super immature. 
I should not have wasted your time. I actually owe you money for something because you went out of your way to do something for me for free that then like I didn't even end up fulfilling my end of the bargain on. Sent her five, I think $500, $300 like right that second and was like total ownership. And her response was like, oh, I was really not expecting that like response. And thank you. Like, we're good. I was like apologizing all day. I'm so sorry. I fucked up. There's a lot going on in my life. I totally forgot X, Y, and Z. And to the point where she's like, Maggie, you have to stop. Like, we're actually good. You totally owned your shit. You sent me the money. Like, everything is good. And I think that to me is being like in your authentic self, where even when you do screw up, you make a mistake. It doesn't define you. And if people are going to judge you off that one thing, they weren't really your friends to begin with in the first place because everybody is going to mess up. And it's about how do you like pitch or pivot yourself to like overcome that and then move past it. That's actually something I've been thinking a lot about too. Because it's true. It's like, if you're so worried about this one person judging you for something you made a mistake on, especially if you owned it and you were willing to hear it, but there is a world where like that person can't receive it or but they can't take it and that's, that's on, them. on them. And maybe you don't need those people in your life. Yeah. I 100% agree. And I think like, it's kind of, listen, I've never been in a cheating relationship. None of my relationships have been cheating, thank God. Um, but I look at other people and, you know, let's say that the husband cheats, right? And, you know, he owns up to it. He is upfront about it. And then the wife is like, holds it over his head for the rest of their marriage, that marriage, unfortunately, will probably never work out because there's just like this power dynamic where there's no trust. What the wife would have to do is be able to like take her time, grieve, heal, and then be able to say like, clean slate, we have figured out a way to move forward. And it's kind of the same thing with any dynamic or relationship. That's just the extreme. It's like, you have to, you know, obviously everyone's entitled to how they feel about things. I get upset. But when somebody approaches it and that's something, I don't hold grudges. I really, really, really don't hold grudges. If you own your shit, you apologize. Like, let's move on. I don't even think about it again. And that's maybe a very like Gemini trait. Whereas like a Taurus as my sister, she's very much like that person did this to me. And I choose to try to move past stuff like that. If there was like a come together. And that's what gives me hope that maybe this situation going on, like, I hope that there is a way that we can all move forward in a peaceful way. I I don't know what this looks like right now, but I just, I pray that there are people like me and us in this world who wrongs can be done and then there's resolution and then there's progression. Yeah. And that can make you closer, actually. I agree. So like, let's pray. Yeah. Humanity needs to come closer. Israel and Palestine, right? That's yeah. Right. That's like a lot of like, but this happened 50 years ago and this happened 60 years ago and this happened yesterday. And it's like, well, look where we are today. Have we gotten anywhere? No. I think what we all need to realize, and we talked about this in our solo is we're so much more similar than we are, are different. And that that, like, we don't even need to talk about politics right now. It's just, just in general, like we're also so like, you know, competitive and like envious and all this stuff with our peers, like instead of just empowering each other, like you've created Maggie, such an amazing platform for women to empower women and to support women because we're better when we're all better together. Like we're not one person's like downfall is 
is not someone else's like win, right? Like we're, we're supposed to all be in this abundance together and you've done it so beautifully. I'm so, very proud of you. Yeah. Thank knowing you for this one yeah. great hour. I, so by the way, just some context, I met Maggie while she was going through all of this and she was actually suffering in silence. Like she wasn't sharing this yet out of respect, which is amazing for her partner and for everything that she was going through. But I feel like because we met during this time, we were able to create such a more deeper and vulnerable yeah. bond and we are ever changed from it. And like, regardless of how we just met, like, uh, I don't know, like four or five months ago, like after even Gemma was born, like I see our friendship, like just blossoming so much and evolving so much. And we've already gotten so close. So yeah, I'm just so grateful to have you in our life. So last question we always okay. ask is what's the point, Maggie? The point I think honest, Oh, you just gave me chills. Um, <laughs> If you're going to chase anything in this life, don't chase boys, don't chase money, don't chase success, chase your why. Like chase what is going to wake you up in the morning every single day, whether you run a startup, whether you want to be an influencer. You know why some influencers are going to fail and some will fly? They have a why. You can't want to just sell product. You can't want to just, you have to be like, I'm posting about my baby because other moms are struggling with X. Like have your why, chase it every single fucking goddamn day. Like you need to go after what you want and like be relentless in it. And I think that is when you will find like not only fulfillment, success, freedom, happiness. And I'm not anywhere close to where I want to be, like anywhere. I wake up every day and it's a good day when I am being like chasing that why. Doing what I love making sure I never forget that. And every time a decision comes in my head, like, would this help me with X? No, not doing it. So I think just be you, love yourself, and then go chase your why. And I honestly think like, that's where the best stories, businesses, companies, content will come out of. And I can't wait to see it. So send it to me. Wow. If you are not deeply inspired by this woman, like, (laughs) go check yourself. I want to hang out. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I love to hang out and I'm free now. (laughs) Love you, Max. Love you. you. Thank you. Thank you guys. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.